Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is episode 36 of History on the Table. Rich, it's Friday. It was a beautiful day today. Yeah, spring has sprung. It is it is arriving. It was it's been actually kind of cold here all week. Not yeah. terrible, not like it has been, but we're going to see more good days than bad going forward. Our our local bike riding group, Mitch has been trying to get us all to ride the last couple weekends and I haven't had a chance to ride yet, but I think uh I think it's it's about bike season now. Yeah, I'm going to try to dick out dick out dip out. <laughs> <laughs> uh dip out. I'm going to leave that in. Uh, dip out tomorrow for one because yeah just been like cold and rainy but mm-hmm. we'll probably get like five more winters before we can officially call it spring but yeah. it's uh it's a beautiful day today beer bikes and board games you know what? what it's all about i've got a beer are you ready for this uh, so yes um, well maybe <laughs> are you <laughs> i yeah i well i've had a couple uh i because it's friday so you know go home a little early and i played some magic with some buddies played some commander oh nice and I'm drinking a Don't Cross the Streams. Okay. And, of course, it features the Ghostbusters and the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Right. Now, this is so, a St. Louis brew. Have you heard of Maine and Mill? No, that's a, I have not. Yeah, St. Louis, very good for what it is because here it is. It's a sour ale, which is something I've been on a huge sour kick. Like, anytime yeah. the weather gets warm, bam. Yeah, like, when it gets really hot, I, I switch to Rattlers. I mm-hmm. love them. Yeah. Totally. Toasted marshmallows, raspberries with lactose. I don't know what the lactose is doing. Wait. Okay, all that's together? Yeah, it's really good. That, that sounds really bizarre. Because when you first said you were drinking a sour with toasted marshmallows, I thought you literally had like some marshmallows <laughs> and a beer. <laughs> that is all in the can. Yeah. Well, I'm drinking something kind of fruity too. I'm actually, I was down in Texas last weekend. And uh, I picked up something called Austin East Ciders. Have you heard of these? No, I wasn't in Austin, but they had them down there. But they had like they had like a ton of flavors. And I've got a a local friend here that loves ciders, so I picked up some so I could share with him. But I'm not giving all six. I got <laughs> this one myself. So it's a blackberry cider from Texas. Very good, very yeah. good. Well, I recommend this. Usually, I go for like like last week. I had like a mango pineapple sour. Yeah. Um, from a Kansas City place, and it was like one of the best sours I've had. And I, I tend to stay away from berries in my sour, but like I was tired of looking around the shelves, and they were like restocking, so it was awkward, and I didn't want to say something polite like "excuse me, I'm trying to look there." Uh, so I saw the first thing I grabbed, and it was this, and it's delivering. So, yeah. So I've got big beer news as well. So a couple of weeks ago, I was at a friend's house after a, a concert we did. And um, if you know me, like anytime I order beer, people ask me what I want. And I always say anything but an IPA. <laughs> I just don't like IPAs. But I went over to his house. He's like, hey, you want a beer? And he didn't ask me what I wanted. He just got me something. And it was an IPA. And it was so freaking good. It's like the first time that I've ever just been in love with an IPA. So. Yeah, when they're good. They're, yeah. It's hard to beat them. Well, absolutely, you can beat them, but if they are good, <laughs> they're good. Yeah, but this is not this is not beer on the table or beer on the gut. This is history on the table. Should we talk? Should we talk war games history and all the other stuff we talk about? Yeah, we should because uh, I think it's funny. We were recording sort of a week early, and we're like, ah, that means GMT. We're gonna miss the GMT update. But I think they follow us, and you know, they said, hurry up, get it out, get it out, get it out before they before they record. So the GMT Monthly Update came out. 
It did. So stick around for the end of the show. We'll be going through March's update. We were joking around the Discord server, which you're welcome to join. Link in the show notes. And we're like, well, it probably won't be out. And then yep. sure as shit, there it was. Yeah, they just cost me another $100. <laughs> oh, baby. I can't wait to talk about that. Big month. A good month. Not a big month, but uh, some other news. So ha- I'm, I'm almost certain you've heard of Napoleon's Triumph or Guns in Gettysburg. Oh, yeah, sure. Right. Okay, so then there was Bonaparte at Marengo, and then finally, the final game from Rachel Simmons, Triumph of Marengo is coming from Histo Games. And yeah, I saw you you posted on Twitter or something. The cover certainly looks great, but I I don't really know anything about this. It wasn't on my radar. Yeah, well, neither I I had heard that uh, Rachel Simmons had retired from board game design, and. So I, you know, I was like, well, that's too bad. At some point, I want to play and own a point in Triumph. I have Guns Gettysburg. Bonaparte and Marengo is the one I'm least familiar with. This was started as like a re-implementation of Bonaparte and Marengo, but it's like a full, now it's like branched off to its own game. So a link in the show notes will have all the details on Triumph of Marengo. And it has like, it kind of talks about the design process and props to Histo Games. So I heard about this on the Dads on Map Discord like they're changing printers at the last minute because of everything that's going on in Ukraine, which everyone's aware of. And uh, so props to them for like sticking to their guns and going with publishers that uh, they want to support. So it may be more costly, but all that stuff is, will be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Triumph on Marengo. Check it out. Sounds like a candidate for designers on the mic. Yeah, except I think she's, I don't know if she's done. Or not, I I like because the, yeah. the website seems to indicate this will be her final game. So I okay. don't know if she stepped out of the public sphere and doing interviews like that would be super fascinating because, yeah, those games are something. Yeah. So that's I think that's it for news. Uh, we'll like I said we'll do the GMT monthly update at the end of the show after we get through all the games and stuff. We'll talk about the Stork Fest updates, all that stuff later. I think we can get to it. All right. All right. So. Games on the shelf now. It finally happened. the The mother load, yeah, arrived. <laughs> and it's fu- so it's. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm just gonna say it's like what well, there was like I think six eligible games from GMT, and I don't right. I don't know many people that got all six, but it it was like a lot of people had four of the six, but it wasn't always like I know you and I got different games from right, but but I got four, and as I'm getting them, I'm like, yeah, I really should have got those other two as well. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to run through real quick? Yeah, I've got. Make sure I don't miss any. I'm actually looking at the stack here. I've got Vietnam 1965 to 1975, mm-hmm. Pacific War, Salerno mm-hmm. 43, mm-hmm. and Into the Woods. Yep, those are the four that I got. And then there was the other two, which were the the what, Barbarossa yep. Army Group Central and uh, Plains Indians Wars looked interesting as well. Looks super interesting, but I'm already downsizing on space. Talked about that last time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got a kid on the way. And it's like, and granted, I P five hundred these a long time ago, but there were no additions to that order. That's for sure. Uh, did you get the same four as me, or I got different? three? I did Salerno oh, okay. for sure, and which will probably be the first one I play Pacific War. Who knows when we'll get to that? And then once, hopefully this summer, you know, when kids are napping and stuff, I really want to try to dive into Vietnam or the three. Yeah. I got. 
yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute, but it's I'm loving it so far. So what did uh, I'm curious, you know, most people we talked to at least got one of those things. I'm curious to see what uh, it's like everyone I talked to got a little bit of something from that GMT hall. So, yeah. Yeah, it was a nice, nice two weeks for board gamers across the country and around the world. <laughs> yeah, and if you want some really in-depth um, perspective and insight into the things that are inside of Pacific War, if you really <laughs> want to get an insider's view into the box, uh, head over to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com. You have to search. We don't have enough subscribers to get our own uh, link, but you can search History on the Table Unboxing hashtag unboxed uh check out our little video our unboxing of pacific war yeah it's really good yeah I'm... I, didn't, I didn't know what was in the box that was sitting on my table until i watched your video so <laughs> i'm glad i could be of service i'm <laughs> we're in the creative process for vietnam 1965 1975 but i just want to provide value and service to the community and so you know my wife and i we have this big idea board we're consulting my daughter um, storyboarding the whole thing yep exactly she likes to draw lines across it which are, are really helpful so yeah you can expect that soon as well excellent all right how in the world did you score a copy of atlantic chase so i've been wanting one for a while and i just sort of keep an eye out you know i check bgg every week or two for it and i found a copy that was you know they've been going lately like especially unpunched for well over a hundred dollars yeah. and usually even you know, decent copies are 95 or so, but somebody put one up there for like, I think 75 and I, I just snapped it up. Worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've even, I've got it on, on pre-order as well. So, um, now I need to decide if I want to keep that. I might just get the second copy and then sell that one or whatever, but cause for that, that'll be 59, but that'll be next year or something by the time that comes out or I might just cancel that one. We'll see. But yeah, for 75, I, I definitely wanted to pick up a copy. Sure. I mean, it just now crossed the 500 threshold, which yeah. with GMT's backlog is no longer a guarantee that it'll be next. Yeah. Well, and that's a, I mean, that's a good quality game. Well, we're going to obviously talk about that later, but lots of wooden bits, lots of stuff in there. It's, it's, it's a $75 game for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's that, in the box quality wise for mm -hmm. sure speaking of hard to find games i want to give a shout out to someone and i want to pay the kindness forward here because this was incredibly kind uh, i want to i want to say thank you to casey who now the package was delayed should be here tomorrow uh passed on along a copy of battle above the clouds this is gcacw right this is gcacw Okay. Um, and send me a great email. Big fan of the show. He's currently kind of whittling down his board game collection and trying to just like keep the things he, he really wants to play. Um, and so we exchanged some emails and stuff. We're talking back and forth. Seems like a really nice guy or girl. Um, didn't get that far actually. But what I told them is I'm going to pay the, I'm going to pay it forward because I think that the new Hood Strikes North is a good beginner mm -hmm. game into GCACW. And so I'm going to think of some kind of giveaway. We'll probably do it on the Discord or something like that to give away a like new or very good copy of Hood Strikes North. Nice. I like it. And in the meantime, I will be playing Battle Above the Clouds finally. Excellent. So other than that, 
I mean, it seems like a quiet month because we only have three things on our outline, but like the GMT <laughs> stuff is. Yeah. Yeah. We've been waiting for that for a while. And that's going to keep us busy for a while, too. So, <laughs> yeah. would you say you think you're going to play Salerno first? I am because I think it's going to play so quick. I think I could yeah. punch, I thought... set up, and read the rules for Salerno like, and get it going like over a nap time. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about pay- playing that one first for exactly that reason. Um, Vietnam of the four is the one that I want to play first, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm playing that on Vassal. Um, I actually, strangely enough, I think the first one that's going to come to my table is going to be Pacific War. Really? Yeah. So I'd be curious to hear, I saw something on Consumer, which I admittedly don't venture onto very often, and it was like a guide of how to get started with Pacific War. Mm-hmm. And that, like, when I saw that there was a guide on how to get started with Pacific War, I just kind of, like, tapped the box and said, I'll get to you someday. If yeah. someone's telling me how well, to play you, like, just to get started with you. Yeah, maybe. But, so, well, like, when you, you know, you get it out, you, you've done the unboxing, so you know what's in there. <laughs> um, but, like, when you get out the main rule book, like, the first thing it says in the rule book is, don't read this one, go to the second rule book. And the second rule book is, like, the smaller scenarios and stuff like that. Sure. So. So you'll, you know, they, they're not, those are not huge. Okay. So you'll learn to play with those games. I think they're called the operational scenarios. And I think that's what the guide said. So maybe I'm yep. banking a bigger deal of it than I need to. Yep. All right. Uh, I started a new book. Pretty excited to talk about it. Yeah. H- have you read Rick Atkinson's World War II trilogy? I've read the first one. Okay. Yeah. So I started his, which just the first book is out, his uh, American War of mm-hmm. Independence book, The British Are Coming. I think maybe we've talked about this in the past. Yeah, because I read this one, I want to say last year. Oh, you did? Yeah. I didn't remember maybe that. Maybe two years ago. Yeah, I've read this one. It's, it's good. It's very good so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is just covering 1775 to 1777. It's called The British Are Coming. And I was going through my Audible backlog, and I was just like, I want to like... I just want to mix it up and mm-hmm. um, like not read something that I'm, I'm tied to in a game or anything like that. I just want to read what I want to read. And this has been there a long time. So uh, it's good. Nice. Yeah, I read it. Eh, I can't remember when it was a, a year or two ago, but he's a great author and it's a good book. It'll be nice to get when it's done to get the whole span of things because mm-hmm. the two American Revolutionary war books i've read are new york 1776 and then um washington's crossing that we read for washington's crossing right and so those are both super early it'll be nice to get like the full thing mm-hmm. uh you got a couple books here yeah a couple different books um one was the good shepherd by c.s forrester have you heard of that one or the movie the tom hanks movie that's the uh, greyhound. greyhound movie right yep yeah yeah that's on apple tv and it was actually that was the first movie I ever watched on Apple TV. It was a good, good movie, and we watched it again recently. Um, but the book is, well, I should say the movie is very true to the book. So if you've seen the movie, I mean, the book is still good to read, but they're they're very, very similar. Um, and it's just, it's about a destroyer captain uh, crossing the Atlantic Sea, leading a convoy of, you know, ships in like 1942. So, I mean, the whole book takes place over the period of like, it's not even the full voyage. It's, it's like a day and a half, two days, something like that, where they're crossing the time when they have no air cover at all. So it's a really good book and, and a good movie as well. If you want to see the movie Greyhound starring Tom Hanks, but the book is The Good Shepherd. Sounds topical. 
And yeah, yeah. Wonder what made me read that. <laughs> just to clarify, though, this is it, it's a fiction book. Like it's historical. Correct. It's fiction, like right? historical fiction. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, the other book I read though is actual historical book though, and that one's called Tin Can Titans by John Wukovitz, I guess yeah. his name is. Um, and this is about a destroyer squadron in the Pacific in World War II. And this one was fantastic. I mean, The Good Shepherd is like a good, interesting read. Tin Can Titans was really good. I mean, just strong history, lots of, you know, now it's not it's not boring like, oh, this guy served on this ship. But it's, I mean, it's it's tales of these guys on these destroyers, you know, especially early in the war, small squadrons of destroyers basically holding off the Japanese tidal wave. Um, and then, you know, they were, they think they were the most decorated destroyer squadron in the war. So, um, called tin can Titans. Very good. This book was recommended by our friend Sebastian Bay. Yeah. I knew I'd heard about it recently and that's probably where I'd heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. On my to read list. Good. Yep. Very good. 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 That's all I've been reading. So, for those of you that don't make it through the marathon that is a history on the table episode (laughs) we always wrap up the show with all the other stuff we've been playing which is how i spent most of my month so rich i'm gonna let you uh talk about what you've been playing as far as war games go because other than our featured game i don't really have a lot to report this month yeah, so games on the table, um, if we want to be very strict about it and talk about cardboard, it has been nothing at all. Everything <laughs> I've been playing has been on Vassal. Um, but I have been playing a little bit of Vietnam 1965-1975 on Vassal. Um, we just we wanted to learn that game, so we've been sort of going through the introductory scenarios together on Vassal playing on Monday nights. Um, and I think we're in the third scenario now. So having a great time. I mean, we're both just absolutely loving the game the little intricacies of it even the small scenarios are very thinky and you know you're when i've been playing the u.s and and everything we've been playing but you know you set up this operation and the vc just sneak away from you and you know you put yourself into a bad position the nva can swipe in and you know those guys are actually pretty hefty the vc you got to be lucky to get an actual powerful VC battalion. Most of them are very weak, and some of them don't exist at all. They're hidden counters, so you know you flip it over and there's actually nothing there at all. So you could have wasted 18 air points or something trying to bomb these guys. They're like, oh, there was actually no one there at all. So um, we're absolutely loving it. We haven't played any of the political stuff at all. That'll come in time. Uh, right now we just play the operational stuff, but that's that's good. If I I understand you've only had a limited time with this. Mm-hmm. If you had to make an early prediction today, way too mm-hmm. early, I understand. Would this live up to the hype? Is because I've always heard Vietnam described as one of the best war games ever made, probably yeah, the best so, Vietnam game ever made. <laughs> I I've been thinking about that, um, and it's it's definitely a top ten game. Wow. Yeah, maybe top five. We'll see how it goes, but yeah, it's it's really good. I'm I'm very much looking forward to yeah. Finally, myself diving into this. I yeah. I, I I don't want to guarantee things because it just then it won't happen. Don't be surprised if Vietnam 1965 1975 ends up on the ooh by the end of the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I look forward to playing that. I think um, I really have been, I sort of joke about it, saying it's a year of naval wargaming for me. I've been playing a lot of naval stuff, which I love, 
but um, which is why part of the reason I'll play Pacific War. But Vietnam is that's going to be a big part of my gaming year, I think. Nice. And then you and I did play one game of we ASL did. together, or half a turn or something. I don't remember. I remember that we like completely screwed up some some tank rules, and it cost me two tanks. <laughs> well, I think the rule only affected one of your tanks. I don't think it was a rule that impacted both your tanks. But yeah, you lost two. Yeah. So we yeah we played another turn or yeah half a turn or a turn. I don't remember how much we got in of Hatton and Flames. So that'll continue on. So yeah, I think fun. we got the whole German activation in, and then we're bouncing back yeah. to the Germans. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Matt, close your ears, but for the listeners, <laughs> I'm definitely buying the Tigers next day. They're coming. <laughs> what? Are you done talking? Can I unplug? Yeah, it's fun. I Campaign play is so cool, and I think there's some new campaign stuff coming from MMP. It was only a couple months ago when we talked about that update, but it's yeah. already like already out. Yep, looking forward to that be, as well. I'll be surprised when it gets added to the store. Like, I had no idea that was coming. <laughs> Should we play? Luke? And they've got, they've been announcing or teasing. I don't know what you want to call it. A, a lot more campaign stuff coming too. Yeah, above and beyond Manila, which I've already pre-ordered. Did uh, speaking of, did you pick up anything in their little flash sale? Nah, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I've got so much ASL that I mean, um. I like I've got the modules I need either there's I think there's one left I've got on pre-order I, I don't have the France one I may get that I'll probably pick that up at some point but most of the major modules I I mean to be fair I have enough ASL to play the rest of my life right. I, I, will, I will continue to pick up the stuff that looks really good like historic Manila looked really good um, but I've, I've got what I need for ASL good 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 I think there was some other stuff in the sale but I don't remember uh, it was yeah, like Hungarian were, Rhapsody. Were, yeah, Hungarian Rhapsody was there, which I already have. And Front yeah, there was enemy. some other stuff. Yep, I think that was in there too. We should play that. I don't have that one, but yeah, I'd like to play it sometime. <laughs> I'm going to throw a little bit of shade, but I'm going to throw it out of love. There was a, <laughs> there was a certain, um, at the time, more prolific war game podcast. <laughs> and uh, I believe they unplayed <laughs> one of the hosts may have talked about how great the game was without playing <laughs> and i don't know I'm you know sure that has happened more than oh once. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but i don't know like i don't know if the love is quite there for that game as it was <laughs> but then you finally get around to play and you're like damn it yeah what did i say about this why did i say this was so good <laughs> we love you rally in the valley all right do you want to play a game I do want to play a game. What game do you have for me? I have the war game game. Excellent. It's the game of war games. All right, folks, here's here's how it works. Rich will get, I don't know, some amount of clues, usually 10. Yeah, it's going to be at least nine until you start rhyming. Right. Yep. And he can get a maximum of 10 points. He gets a free guess, and then each clue subtracts one point from his guesses. You can play along at home. You can submit your score, and if you get the high score... You get a big star. So, would All you right. like to take a crack at it? Yeah, I just looked around my room. I'm trying to find something. Uh-huh. I'm going to go with Fire in the Sky. Nice. The Phalanx game? Yeah. No. No, that's not it. I'm All right. still waiting on my copy. Are you? Well, I've got I've got the uh, previous version that oh. I bought from someone locally. So That's another one I want to play sometimes so I can compare it with 
Empire of the Sun and Pacific War sure. and all those. Yeah. Well, it's before we get too far into this, it, like Phalanx is one of my, I won't pre-order, I won't kickstart yeah. because they're shipping so unfriendly. And then yeah. Miniature Market, I think I, like I pre-ordered this, like, I think it's been delayed. I pre-ordered Does Miniature this. Miniature Market carry Phalanx? They had a pre-order for it and it was like oh, 39 okay. bucks or some shit like that. It was yeah. like way cheaper than if I had pre-ordered from Phalanx. Hmm. Uh, but it is not fire in the sky. All right. It, that means it, I get a clue. You get a clue. So first clue. This is a 2017 release. Oh, I might have a chance. <laughs> 2017. See, I look at my shelf and I look for old games. It might be off on the year, but uh, Baptism by Fire. Nice. No. No. This game is published by GMT Games. All right. So it's not MMP. It's GMT. That that's that's what that means. <laughs> Next War Poland. Nice. No. No. This game features three different time scales and map scales. Hmm. Yeah. Kind of like Pavlov's house, but I know it's not that. Uh, three different. Oh, oh, uh. Dark Summer. Nice. No. No? Okay. Shoot. I thought I was getting lucky there. That was a good guess. That would guess. have been a record for me. That would have been a high score for Rich. Yeah. This is a World War II game. Hmm. Dark Sands. I think that's nice. what I was thinking of anyway. No. No. This game is designed by Jerry White. Jerry White. This may not be by him, but for some reason. No, it's that's not by him. I wanted to say the hunters, but I don't. That's not by him. I'll say the hunters. No, good guess. No, all right. You're you're on a good track. Um, this is a game set in the Pacific theater of World War II. Hmm. See, you're right in my wheelhouse. I should know this. Uh, Pacific World War II GMT just came out five years ago. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be drawing a blank on this. Well, it's obviously not Empire of the Sun because that doesn't have that time scale thing. I'm totally drawing a blank on Pacific War games set during at least GMT games. Sure. Um, yeah, your guesses haven't been terrible. Yeah. I can't think of one. Give me another clue. Okay. Uh, this is a solo only game. Okay. Um, yeah. Field Commander or uh, Nimitz is not, or Fleet. Commander Nimitz is not GMT. That's DVG, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, solo. Hmm. You're gonna cut out all the dead space. So it sounds like I. Uh, oh, I always, I always do. I'm gonna stick. I don't know these games that well, but I'm gonna stick with the Hunter's theme. Is it the Hunted? Nope. No. All right. This game features B-25 Mitchell bombers. Hmm. Is it? No, target for today, I don't think, is Pacific. Is it target for today? Uh, No. No, because that one I think is European. All right. That's a good guess. This game covers the missions to bomb Tokyo. Is it called the Doolittle Raid? It is. All right. That was going to be my next one, no matter what you said, after Target for today. Uh, yep. So full Ooh. title is Enemy Coast Ahead. There were two of them. One is Enemy Coast Ahead, the Doolittle Raid. And then the other one is Enemy Coast Ahead, the Damn Buster Raid. Nice. Well, uh, how many clues did I use? Seven? Y- you used nine. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Point. Somehow that works one out. One point. 
I think you still get a point if you rhyme. What was, so. what was gonna be the tenth? <laughs> oh, a rhyme. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is named after Bimmy Boo Little. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh nice. Yeah, I thought I'd I'd forgotten you. about that game, yeah. I mean I haven't, I haven't played it. Have you played either of those? I did. I have played Doolittle Raid. Um yeah. so what's interesting is um you know, I thought I'd I thought I'd trip you up by bringing in a game from the designer we're featuring tonight. Um, and I bounced off the tutorial, learn to play of Doolittle Raid. Like I gave it a good shake and then I yeah. kind of went through it and I was like, I don't think this solo game is for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I moved on. But I So was, I don't want to go too far into it, but was it one of those roll the dice and see what happens games? Cause I haven't played it at all. Yeah, from what I remember, it was, but there was also a lot of management of different, just like everything. Like it was kind of neat how you outfitted your your squadrons mm-hmm. and the different scales. Like once you got into Tokyo, um, like that map is different, obviously, than the big map. But to be honest, I never got to the like. You kind of start from the the bombing map, like the tactical, you're over Tokyo, and mm-hmm. then you kind of branch out to like the broader stuff through learning through the tutorials. I didn't even finish the tutorials before I, it may be a very good game. I just like, at some point mm-hmm. I was like, this isn't for me, so I'm going to move on from it. Sounds a little bit like the leader games, which I had a similar reaction to. From the very little I've spent with both, I played mm-hmm. the um, Corsair leader, I re- like Corsairs yeah. are just a plane I like, yeah. And so I did oh, a print. So cool I did a print and play for a Corsair, mm-hmm. and very little time with that. Very little time with Doolittle Raid. They seem to scratch similar itches. They could yeah. be completely different again, and they could be great games. Just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Jerry White, what a transition! I know. It's time. The patrons have voted. Our featured game this month is. Probably like one of the hottest games of like the last five months. That's yeah, for sure. Definitely hard to find. I was I was lucky to get a copy at basically retail price. Atlantic Chase designer yeah. Jerry White, published by GMT Games, a 2021 release. Uh, you definitely have spent more time with this anyway. Why don't you tell us about what the game is about, Rich? <coughs> Excuse me. Sure. Um, it is a game about the Battle of the Atlantic. Um, so it's it's the Allies, which is Mostly the British, but you get some French and Canadian ships in there too. I don't, I think you probably, there's probably US ships too, but I don't even remember seeing them. I mostly remember like British, French, and Canadian versus the Germans. Um, and you're basically, I mean, to put it super simply, you're, you're sort of hunting down convoys and engaging in naval battles with them. But you can have, you can have some bigger fleet battles where you've got, you know, couple battleships and several cruisers and even carriers going against each other. You can have airstrikes and things like that. But essentially it's a game about locating enemy forces and, you know, pouncing on them and destroying them. Yeah. It's really like a, a hunt and find game in using a, with the setting set. I think the first thing to talk about is this novel concept of trajectories and how, time and not really knowing you know that this british convoy is sailing from new york and it's gonna land in this port in england and you use these wooden blocks to show a trajectory and that means that convoy or that task force of ships can be anywhere along that trajectory 
and you use the game mechanics to, you know, send out your task force to go hunt them down, sink whatever ship you're after, attack the convoys, and some really interesting mechanics of pinpointing that task force anywhere along that trajectory. Yeah, and I think that's that's the unique and the most interesting part of the game. Because if they have a trajectory on the map, if you want to get your ships over to them, you have to create a trajectory as well. And where those trajectories intercept is where you can start rolling to try to find them. But, you know, if their trajectory is nine blocks long and yours is eight blocks long, you have to basically add them both up. Um, and, and that's the column that you'll get to roll on. Whereas you can, if you can reduce their trajectory and reduce your trajectory, basically you think of it as you no longer know. Now you're not saying they're somewhere across the entire Atlantic. You're saying they're somewhere in these three hexes yep. and my guys are somewhere in these three hexes. So it's going to be a lot easier to find them. And everything you do is more effective when you've narrowed them down. Yeah. And if you ever, there's also this, like things get harder depending on, for example, if I am a German convoy trying to slip past England. Good luck. Right, because you're <laughs> going to hit a whole bunch of things that are going to drop intel on that trajectory. And if you ever want to, like, be done with that convoy and, you know, like, sell them to South America, like, get all of the Nazi gold and all of the rare <laughs> art prints and, like, sail them to South America, you have to shed that intel before you can really like break away and that intel like slows you down and then on the other hand like you want to get <coughs> intel on the other player but as i learned last night like that can be if you don't have subs that can be really hard to do once they're already like out in the open waters which once you start like thinking of the game like mechanically you get a broader scope it just like it just clicks like the Atlantic Ocean is big, no duh. So like, yeah. how would you possibly get intel on them when they're somewhere between New York and London? You know. Yep, absolutely. And because you know, you could be playing a game where each player has six or eight different task forces. You know, you've you're always trying to balance who needs to take the next action, and that's the other thing I really like the game about the. Uh, I don't know what you call it, the sort of variable initiative where um, you don't always know who's going to go next. And it's not just a matter of every turn we roll a die to see who goes next, because um, if you if the other guy keeps winning die rolls, you keep getting plus one modifiers to your next die roll. Sometimes you get to try to take the initiative from someone, depending on some die roll modifiers. Sometimes you get to just get the initiative and sometimes you both roll for it. So you can take a bunch of different actions in a row or you may only get one action. Yeah. And those actions are like, there's a menu of about nine different actions. Yeah. And like Rich said, each one has different consequences on who gets initiative. If you're just laying out the trajectory, if you're just laying out those line of cubes from New York to London, and then maybe you're selling from London to Africa, um, on another trajectory, you can do that as much as you want. Pieces are the only limitation there. You'll never lose initiative. It's right. once you start doing other things, maybe you're trying to complete that convoy and be done with them, deliver the goods, they're off the map, you completed the mission, that's another oppor- That's an opportunity for the other side to seize the initiative. Or if you do a naval search, you're trying to pinpoint them down, the other side can not only seize initiative, they can also interrupt depending on the board state so there's this lots of back and forth with how your pieces interact with different pieces on the board as well as map fixtures meaning like air bases or ports 
Yeah. And the air bases are actually, most of them have years on them too, so that if you're playing an early scenario, you won't have as many air bases as you do in the later war scenarios. There is, I've talked about this over the last several months, there is a learn to play through tutorial where you set it up and you do the thing and then you look up the rules. And I've talked about it. I don't normally like that. It works super well for Atlantic Chase. Some of them are too simple. Like one and two are basically like set up and do it. And yeah. you do it and you're like, that's it. It's still worth it, I think. Right. Um, but I, I mean, I played through, I think there's nine of them like in just a couple hours on like I had the cabin to myself and I just set up Atlantic chase and I ran through the tutorials and I basically knew the game by the end of them and they were very good way to learn the the game. Yeah. And there's several, if you want to come rule books, there's scenario books and everything else, but they're all, they're all thick. I mean, like it's 250 pages is what it yeah, is. Yeah, I mean it is, but, and you would hear that and you'd be like, Holy crap, what am I getting myself into? But Every one of them is is laid out like a how to play book. Yep. So there's there's like the rule book and there's the two player scenarios and there's the solo scenarios and there's the tutorials and they all have completely separate books, but they all are just absolutely full of graphics, big text. Yeah. Um, you know, saying this is how the game is played and it, it just walks you right through everything. Which I like. Um and mm-hmm. it's they, they, I mean, they didn't spare any expense in those books because there's a lot in there. They're, they're not compact at all, but they're super easy to read. And the player aid cards are great too. Full color images. So, for yeah. example, you may look up the rules to uh, naval search. That will be one whole page, but that one mm-hmm. whole page is ten sentences. And I'm exaggerating yeah. here, but like, it's so thick because there's so many examples. If if this was just like a typical case point rule book, I'd be interested to see how short it was because you pick up all these books and you're like, holy shit. And then you open it and you realize that they just explain things so clearly. Yeah. And and the player aid cards all tell you what page the rule is on as well, which is nice. And the- so Naval Search has it it has a, a row on the player aid card saying step by step this is how you do it this is what you need this is what you do afterwards and then right there in blue it's saying okay go to page you know 35 or whatever if you want to actually read the rule on it and the rules are so li- like they're just so easy to grasp and the same yeah. thing with like tables on the map there's a blue circle you can go look it up it's so mm-hmm. helpful um yeah so before we get into like thoughts and stuff a little bit more on how the the game plays there's solo scenarios which I've played and thoroughly enjoy i've we you and i both share the same sentiment i think we're play solo players but play multiplayer games solo as opposed to solo games most of the time Mm -hmm. fair statement yeah so they're good i like them if you're a solo only player you can do the solo by themselves it's easy to play you just consult charts you still get the same experience you can play the multiplayer scenarios solo yeah, because there's no hidden information. I mean, there is, but it's hidden from both players. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Yeah. yeah. So there's ops, which will be like, uh, you and I played Norway. <laughs> I was trying to like set up an airbase in Norway and run some, claim some other ports, and you were trying to basically do the same thing. Yeah, I was trying to beat you to the port so I could mine the harbor. Right. Um, there's many scenarios, which are just the battles. I was talking to someone, uh, his name was Tom. 
and I, I'd asked if, like, hey, have you played the mini scenarios yet? And he said he really enjoyed them. He printed out, like, a – he said he made a PowerPoint of just the battle board so he didn't yeah. have to get the full map out. And he said okay. they're pretty – and those are just the battles, which is straightforward. And then, finally, you have the campaign game, which I played. So, you and I played – I had primarily played solo, and then you and I played together. And at that point, neither of us had played the campaign game. And then I got right. a chance last night to play it with someone – uh, his name was Hector, and it was. I may be convinced that the campaign game is the way to go. Really? Well, well, that's that's good because uh, my wife and my daughter both expressed interest in this game, so I would definitely like to try the campaign game. So, when we talked about it, I was like, ah, I don't really think I have time to do the campaign game. To me, I think campaign, and I think OCS Korea 116 terms. Sure. <laughs> the op, the campaign game is um, basically you you select your ships depending on the year. It's mm-hmm. all very easy to walk through, and then the the British will roll on convoys for ingoing and outgoing convoys, and then the German player is trying to rack up points depending on the year, hit those convoys, whatever, and then it's it's kind of a best three out of five. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like you're not committing to like, you know, months of gameplay. It, it's, you know, maybe five or six nights of Atlantic Chase. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Okay. It also feels like our Norway operation scenario was so congested. Oh, yeah. It feels more like that game felt like why i was like an atlantic chase playing solo where mm-hmm. things are open you don't know where things are at and you're running through the mechanics when everything's congested it's just like well of course you're going to pinpoint my convoy and blow the shit out of it yeah because i've got a station next to britain and you've got uh, maybe a only three a three trajectory coming from germany that's got to pass right by my station so right yeah it's going to make it rough on you so there's lots of different ways to play this game. Three different ways, multiplayer. And then if you count the multiplayer ways that you can play solo, there's four different ways to play solo. Mm-hmm. It's got a Vassal module. Vassal module seemed fine to me. Yeah. Um, had some nice features built into it. Um, I would say the only thing that... I don't say... I wouldn't say I didn't like it, but in the game I played with you and a game that I played with a friend uh, last month. Um, This happened both times in two different scenarios, and I was on both sides of it. Um, But you can get in a situation where basically you've got a a lightly escorted convoy or maybe not even a convoy at all, and you can't really destroy a convoy. It's just every time you hit it, you get a victory point. So you can get in a situation where, for victory points purposes, it's advantageous for a player to just hammer on a convoy over and over and over again. And it's just kind of unsatisfying. It's kind of boring for both players to do that. I, so I, the exact, that was my biggest complaint is you can have a feels bad moment where, and we got in a situation where normally combat is three rounds. That particular combat was going to start at two, but then like we rolled extra and yeah, I did not have any evasive maneuvers, which will let that convoy escape automatically. Normally, you just get one shot. This mm-hmm. was a situation you were going to get five shots and be able to suck that convoy back, and each time I would have to roll 
with a nine or higher with your modifiers to try to escape. And if I didn't, that's five shots. Yeah, probably going to get probably going to be at least three and maybe four victory points. And it just that it does that felt very bad. I think. But like, and I've been on both sides of that. So even as the guy that was doing it to you a couple nights ago, I was like, yeah, this is just not really satisfying (laughs) where it worked. So last night I was playing and I was the Germans and the rule was the British could not have any other ships with their convoys. Okay. But in those scenarios, the British outgun the Germans hard. Mm-hmm. And so it shined because what that game successfully modeled is, all right, the Germans are setting sail out of South America. They're going to intercept this convoy. They're going to blow it up, and then they need to get the hell out of there. And so that works because the Brits have the support to protect those convoys. In the scenario we played, that convoy was by itself, or that task force was by itself, and it had one cruiser protecting the mm-hmm. whole thing against your task force of like six ships. And part of that's on me. I should have taken a different route. It just would have taken a lot longer. Right. But in, in the other scenario where the German player cannot run with the Brits, they have to do their thing and they have to wrap up the scenario or they, they just can't hang with them. There's no way. That it felt like really good. Like go in, hit the convoy, get the hell out of there. And so it works on one hand. I I think it's going to sometimes come down to the scenario because the game can, in in what we played, like we just called it at that point because you were going to pick up like 10 victory points if I didn't roll to escape. Right. Yeah. The other thing I would say the game could use is something else for submarines. Submarines are a marker that you put in a hex and they can... They can help your surface ships and you can attack with them one time, basically. But when I think about the Battle of the Atlantic, I think about wolf packs and convoys. And this game doesn't really let you do that too much. Well, it depends. It all, again, it goes back to the scenario, right? At their sure. best, you can kind of pick up the submarines and put them wherever you want and attach right. an intel to a trajectory, which is huge because it's, it's hard right. to stick a trajectory on something that doesn't have it and is already moving yeah or an intel on it but that and that's what i meant when i said they can help your surface yeah. ships they can do that and they can coordinate with them so two ways they can help but really it's the surface ships that are the stars of this game yeah the submarines are uh just a marker air is not really on the map you just you know show where you launch it from and they can give you i mean they can do damage and they can assist in searches and stuff like that but it's really a, a surface ship game I last night the power of air was was shown to me like when the German, yeah. when the Germans are way out there and the Brits having us enough room to maneuver without making these massive trajectories like either just the ability to pin down and do a search and, and you know flip you to a station or to do an airstrike mm-hmm. like it's it's powerful if you can get them pinned down yeah. you can get a lot of momentum carriers are great um, out in the middle of the ocean but you got to protect them too yeah. because you don't want to get in a battle with your carrier yeah. that, that leaves them vulnerable you want to use those to do airstrikes instead which are nice I I I th- love this game it is great when it's great when, when you're kind of gunked up in the North Sea 
that that was my worst experience with the game. Yeah. But when the game was on on like doing its thing and we're out in the Atlantic, and, mm-hmm. and you tell this. Sto- so what ended up happening in my game last night is it clicked for me, and I thought I'm. I don't need to go. I shouldn't go attack this task force of five British ships with my two cruisers. Like that doesn't go well for me. My victory points are, yeah, I can I can sh- shrink a battleship or sink a battleship, or I can attack this convoy. But I'm in the driver's seat. I go out, I hit the convoy, and then I go complete my task forces mission over. Right. They don't get a chance to finish, and so our scenario ended up like. I'm out in the Atlantic. This aircraft carrier is closing down on my task force. I'm running away from this convoy now. And all I'm trying to do is get back to Germany and complete. And so, like, we're bouncing back and forth. We're both doing naval searches or attempting to do completions. And the initiative is just like ping, 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 ping. And then it came down to I got short enough, no intel to complete. you got to be six wooden blocks long to complete, which basically moves your pieces off the map out of the game they're done with their mission yeah if if your if your goal as a player is to fight a decisive naval battle in this game if you want to smash battleships and everybody against each other you can do that but that's not the point of this game no and go that's play not where the game shines right yeah and that and that really hit for me last night and, that, and so the short of it is like i needed a nine to get one more initiative and complete and i didn't get a nine i rolled an eight and it had no modifiers yeah. <laughs> and then they were able to complete. And at that point, it's like, well, I could sail out of Germany again and go try to get your forces that are about to complete in Africa. But, like, it's not worth it because I need them for the next operation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you nailed it, though. If you want to play blow ships up, you can do this in this game. But if you just want to fight, go play fleet or battleship. I'm kidding. But like, <laughs> this is so much more about that maneuver and hunting down. Yeah, getting the hits you need, and then don't. I will say for the battle though, um, if you do, um, and you're you're gonna have battles in the game. Sure. I mean that's um, play with the advanced rules. Yeah, they're not they're not any harder, and they add a, another level of of thinkiness and depth of strategy to the game. And the flavor, like our yeah. battle, um, yeah. you outgunned me five ships to three i think and uh, you sunk one and then we got tied up in a battle again and i got a hit that turned into a fire right that fire then killed your engines and then when the battle was over you you had to scuttle your i I just scuttled the ship yeah so there's like lasting effects and stuff yes the advanced battle rules are definitely worth using totally and they're not no not any harder nothing in this game is is overly uh complex no um we had a couple questions about the game. Our friend Ryan Heilman asked, like, what did we think about the rule book and its really novel design? And I, th- I think we've hit on that, but it's just... I I don't mind the case rule system. Like, you get used to it, right? Like, I can mm-hmm. read a war game rule book, no problem now. It is refreshing to get something that's just, like, so easy to grok, right? Yeah. I mean, I, at work, I work with... I, I'm not a trainer, but I work closely with trainers um, and I see, you know, the work that they produce and stuff like that. This looks like it was written by a trainer, not by a grognard. Well said. Like, so, and, and that's a compliment, <laughs> just in case that didn't come off clearly. <laughs> you know, if someone handed you a book and said, if you follow this, you'll learn to play the game. It's it's well written. We had one other question. I don't know if they were serious or messing with us, but we'll we'll do it anyways. And JS asked, 
is it the best North Atlantic game of the year? We're going to say <laughs> 2021 or of the decade. Yes to the first one. <laughs> yes for the first one for sure. Decade. I'd have to I'd have to see the list. I hate to hate to say that without at least knowing what else would be on the list, but it's good. I mean, like I said, I, I liked this game a lot, but don't go into it thinking this is about big naval battles. That would be the only thing. Big naval battles with lots of maneuver either. Because right. really you're only maneuvering between sure. three different zones. Yep. Yeah. All you just go forward and backwards is all you can do. Okay. We can actually look at this, Rich, because there is a family <laughs> of games on BGG for Atlantic games. So, going back from 2021, and I'm only going to hit on the big ones that you and I would have heard of. We have Spruance Leader, The Hunted, Blue Water Navy, Cataclysm, I don't know if it, Hold Fast Atlantic, The Hunters, and then by that point we're in 2011. So I'm going to say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to say it's best of the decade. I mean, I haven't played Blue Water Navy. I'm interested in it, but that would be the only one that I would say might have a chance. Yep. Agreed. And I own Blue Water Navy. I just haven't spent any time with it. I super want to play it. Um, Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Okay. So you did reading and watching for this. Yeah, so the the book I talked about before, The Good Shepherd, and the movie that's the same as the book, uh, Greyhound is the movie. Those are both really good. Um, although I would say those kind of feel more tactical. So, you know, like I was saying, those are really about the battle itself. I mean, that, that whole movie, that whole book would take place in a hex. Um, so the book and the movie might be better for a game like Submarine or something like that. Um, but, but they're both good at, at talking about, you know, the, just the battle of the Atlantic and what it was like for the people there. So, yeah, I only have one and it's not really related. It's, I mean, it's us admirals anyways, but it's one of the best naval books I've read. It's one I've recommended before the admirals by Walter Bordeman. If you just want a naval book that's just giving you a perspective, this is really about, the five-star admirals of world war two and kind of their career paths, but it also kind of talks about the evolution of the U S Navy from, um, what, what was it? Was it, um, battleships and destroyers to eventually in, into, uh, carriers and stuff like that. So there's mm-hmm. interesting information, although it's not really like, this is really the Royal Navy and the Kriegsmarine. So, right. Yeah. I've read the generals. I haven't read the admirals. I need to read that sometime. It just missed. Jason Young and I from Advance After Combat did our top five nonfiction games. Mm-hmm. It was in my top ten. It just missed the top five. It's that good. Yeah, good. There's the Airmen too, which is really the third in the trilogy. I guess you'd call it. I knew about the generals. I didn't know about the Airmen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I I said I really liked it. What What about you? Like final thoughts. I liked it quite a bit. Um, it's definitely one I would play again. Um, and um, like I said, I'm hoping to play it with my wife and daughter. I think they they would both be interested in this one as well. They both expressed interest in it. So, And because it's easy to teach and it's thinky without being too heavy, I think it'll be a, a good fit there. Everyone I've played it with, I mean, I played it with a guy from Game Day and, uh, and he played it with some other people uh, one a previous game day when I was off, but 
I mean, I've never talked to a person that didn't like this game after they played it. Yeah, that's it's good. Uh, last month I mentioned like a good measuring stick is like, do I keep playing the game after we talk about it? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, being completely honest, just because I want the new thing, whether it's for the show or just because new things come in. And Especially I, when you got four new game or three new games right. dropped off on your desk. And I did, yeah. uh, Jason. And I did continue Men of Iron, and that's still ongoing. Still super loving that. And as soon as we played Op One from the campaign last night, I I told Hector I was like, I I want to keep this going. This is good stuff. I really like the campaign game. Um, it's it's great. It's it certainly has lived up to the hype. I mean, I was already a fan of just the solo game. Remember, this was my best game of 2021 and that was just based off of solo plays now that mm-hmm. i've seen the campaign game in action it's like only even better all right i think it's come it's time it's time there's a list rich we have a list it's a list of every war game ever rich and i rank every war game ever made from best to worst rich that's right we have 46 games on the list 46 games on the list how many more uh, at least 46 or we can stop if we play every game we own great and we just added four to that <laughs> and we were already yeah. like we're never gonna finish my daughter's inheritance will be the every war game ever list this will be their legacy this will be their burden your daughter and my daughter are gonna continue this podcast <laughs> <laughs> nice all right uh so we don't have the only naval-esque game we have on here is empire of the sun right am i missing one? yeah yeah i think so i was actually just looking for other naval games i don't see any on there axis empires doesn't really have any i guess empire in arms kind of with i mean they have boats is kind of my it's qualified as a naval yeah. game. Like you said, Cataclysm was considered a North Atlantic game. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, do you have a floor or ceiling? I do not yet. <sighs> well, yeah, I mean, I would start off, and, and this is going to be way too wide a range, but um, it, Empire of the Sun uh, is, would be the the ceiling, I think. Really? Yeah. I don't think it's as good as Empire of the Sun. I'm fine with that because it's not, I would say it's not better than Harry Sanner DM Minfu. Okay. So floor, let me just throw some games out there. Yeah. We'll play like the comparison game mm-hmm. we've been playing. Um, do you like this one better than, let's go back to last month, Men of Iron Tri-Pack. Gut reaction is yes. Okay. And that one, I know our list is getting so long and we've talked about how it's top heavy, but it's it's hard to see that one at 27 because we enjoyed it so much. Yeah. How about, oh, here's a good one. World War II, Axis Empires. Okay. See, now, like, I think we're getting into it. Yeah. Because, you know, a good comparison for this game is Sekigahara. Okay. I can, I, I see where you're going with that. Right. Because they're both, new, they break the mold in some right, way. Right, right. Yeah. They've, they've got abstraction, yeah. but still strong theme. Yep. You nailed it. Exactly. And they both do a great job of it. Ooh, here's here's an interesting comment. I think what what I love about Atlantic Chase most is the doing shit out in the water. Mm-hmm. 
if it's just one ship on one ship and we get tied up in a battle, it's kind of like, all right, let's do this battle. Yeah. <laughs> and then let's yeah. let's go back to doing the naval searches and stuff. I really <laughs> like that stuff. Yeah. I don't know how much I like. It's not bad. Yeah. But the other and stuff is just so good. We didn't really talk that much about the naval searches, which is okay, but there's a lot to do in there. Like, you know, you need to decide. You can, depending on what you roll, you can take off like some of their segments or you could cut their trajectory in half. You'd be too early or too late, which is exactly. brilliant. Yeah. It's a yeah. brilliant. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. I mean, a lot of good storytelling in the game mechanics, which Matt and I both like. Hmm. Okay. <sighs> I like it better than Second Gahara. Okay. Because here's what I was thinking. I Second Gahara is like the closest type. I do think it's better than Blitzkrieg Legend, but I've also argued that Blitzkrieg Legend is ranked too high. Um I know you're a big fan of Onward Christian Soldiers. Yeah, but then I was looking above Onward Christian Soldiers. Battle Him is a bucket of dice game. Yeah. And, it's interesting, but yeah. And doesn't doesn't break too many molds. Mm-hmm. And again, there's a good example of something where like combat and battle him can kind of be like, I got to refigure for each of these pieces of terrain. Like that's what you're kind of considering. Not, it's not a, it's not a terrain modifier. It's like the terrain determines how many dice you roll. So it's kind of an exercise you go through each time. It's not that bad. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking above battle him. Yeah, I could see that because, like, the way you feel about Blitzkrieg Legend, I think I feel that way about Battle Him. I mean, I think we did drop it, and it wouldn't break my heart to see it drop more. Um, I wouldn't want to go 15 is Holland 44. I wouldn't want to go above that, though. Okay. That's. (sighs) Yeah. So, right now, 15, Holland 44, 16, Battle Him, 17, Honored Christian Soldiers, 18, Blitzkrieg Legend. 19 and 20 are Axis Empires. And then 21 is Sekigahara. Yeah. From a game design perspective, and in, in just rule book and coming up with something new mm-hmm. and introducing new war gamers, like I think it's better than all of those from a game design standpoint. Empire of the Sun has some really cool concepts as well. So maybe not from a game design standpoint there, but Empire of the Sun is a really tightly designed game. Not Empire of the Sun. Um, Axis Empire. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Holland 44, I love, Mm -hmm. but when it boils down to it, that is a very straightforward war game with cool chrome. Agree or disagree? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's, it's It's not a bad thing. It is. Yeah. It's, it is straightforward. So you don't think it clears Holland 44? I think I still like Holland 44 better. Okay. Yeah. I'm fine with that. And I get, yeah. And Holland 44 could have some feel bad moments too. Because like, if you're the Germans, (laughs) you're going to lose some battles. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm fine with that. Above battle him, but below Holland 44. So 16th greatest war game of all time. Atlantic chase. Episode GMT Games, Jerry White. Congratulations, Jerry. Yeah. Probably won't be the only Jerry White game. Well, yeah, because it says right on the box, Volume 1. Yeah, plus (laughs) Skies Above the Reich. Yeah. Got that. Maybe do a little raid someday once I retire. 
<laughs> All right, we ranked it. Now it's time to talk about March. So uh, we started a new thing this year. Our patrons get a vote on our game each month, and Rich and I get to stump for two games. We're going to be a little unoriginal this month because a couple things are going on. Uh, Rich has a big work thing. I've got a, a convention, uh, Donkey Kong, from AC at the end of the month, and it's also tax season, and it's yeah. just a very busy time of the year for me, and Easter. So we're going short games this month, which is fine because I think we need that diversity in the list anyways because we play a lot of big games. Yep, so I'm going with Zeppelin Raider 2. No, I'm kidding. Get out of here. Get <laughs> out. I'll tell, you where, uh, I'll tell you where it goes right now. We'll save you a month. <laughs> um, I'm going with Captain C. We've talked about it before. Uh, it is the year of naval wargaming, after all. Um, it looks fairly simple to me. It's not It's not super light, um, but it looks interesting to me, and it's one that I've been wanting to play. So, Captain's C. Yeah, and I'm going to repeat as well. Red Flag over Paris from Fred Serval. I think this game rocks. Yes. And if you don't like either of those two choices, give us something else and we'll play it. But it's not going to be Goss this month. It's not going to be, you know, Case Blue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Vietnam, Pacific War. (laughs) We already discussed our picks for this month, so let's go ahead and reveal them. Uh, We have Table Battles from Hollandspiel. About as light as you can get in terms of light war <laughs> games, but very fun. Uh, well, we're also considering a game from Standard Combat series. If you want to talk about, you know, just a basic war game with some Chrome Throne on, those mm-hmm. games are a key example of that. And the last game we talked about was NATO War Commander, a solo game which we don't have. NATO a war. Air Commander. NATO Air Commander. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Holmesfield Games as well from Brad Smith. That's that's a good game. I might get that on anyway. So if you want to determine which of those five we play for April or what we talk about next month, go to patreon.com slash hmm. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a link in the show notes. Chance of gaming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like history on the table or history table. It's one of those two things. You can't miss it. There's a link on our website. We have a website, historytable.com. You can go find Oh, it's historyonthetable.com. <laughs> Good Lord, I'm going to accidentally send someone to <laughs> Lemon Party or something like that. <laughs> it's patreon.com slash historytable. You can join for as little $2 a month. Um, our chats are out of sync, but we'll have one in, in early April. You can come out and chat with us. You can vote on the show, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, and I buy you a beer before Historic Fest each year, so that's a perk. You gotta, you have to come to Historic Fest to get that prize. Up. <laughs> Good. Must be present to win. Uh, listener question. We didn't have oh, – our listener questions all pertain to Atlantic Chase. Yeah, I think that's all we had. Yeah. Uh, well, someone did have a great question in our Discord, but it was asked and answered. It was about – um, like solo games and it was actually kind of asking about like solo games on the list and it was yeah. I think it's just like the type of games we typically play is why they they don't get on there yeah and I think um, that we we talked about this on discord but there's a couple different kinds that you know are, are, are whipping boys Zeppelin Raider where you just roll the dice and kind of see what happens and then those games like Pavlov's House or NATO Air Commander where even though they're one person games you know 
whether they use a deck of cards, as both of those do, or some kind of bot or whatever, they're very thinky and have good, interesting decisions as well as you're not just along for the ride. Totally. All right. Uh, should we talk about June T's update? Yeah, absolutely. What'd you get? Uh, so the the first thing was, was Henry, which yep. is number five in the levy and campaign game, right? I think it's five. That sounds right. Five. Yeah. Yeah, um, so now I have two Levian, game, Levian campaign games pre-ordered. <laughs> both of them having to do with the British Isles. I've got Henry and I've got Plantagenets, both on P500. And I think this is like a short one, right? Like, I think it's supposed to play very quick. Yeah, I didn't even look at it that closely, but it did say that in the description is a smaller, shorter Levian campaign game. Yeah, this is designed by Joe Schmidt and looks great, right? Yeah, yep. So that was one that I got. And then uh, I'm going to guess. <laughs> now, I'll tell you that it, it should be Bayonets and Tomahawks because that game rocks um, and is bang for your buck, like a $40 war game in that scale, like totally worth it. But I'm guessing that you got Men of Iron Volume 5. Absolutely. Norman Conquest. I had so much fun playing the uh, the Tri-Pack, and I saw Norman Conquest come out, and I'm like, ooh, a lot of those battles are the ones I've been reading about in the Plantagenets. So, yeah, let's play that one. There you go. Uh, and then you get Space Empire. It's actually a lot of pre-Plantagenet stuff, but, right. yeah, yeah. It's good. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be good, but I'm, I'm a fan of the, the time period. As is my wife, which she has been getting more and more into war games lately. I'm bringing her around. You lucky man. Let me ask. I'm going to ask you a question, and I don't, yeah. don't want to deter anyone from this. It's six battles. Uh, it's listed. I was actually it's looking six that up on the uh, GM on the board game geek page. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, there's six battles, and it's which again remember, for Men of Iron, it's like six six battles are basically six complete mini games. Mm-hmm. So forty three yeah. bucks for six battles. That's like less than. Going to see a movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's like seven I said, bucks a battle. It's a pretty good. Like deal. I said with Tripack, it's this one will be like six different magazine games for forty three bucks. So Yeah. Good price. Plus you're playing with two people, so it's like three fifty for two hours of three three dollars <laughs> yeah. and fifty cents for two hours of entertainment, right? Yeah. Like in my mind, forty three dollars for a war game, like board games have gotten just so expensive. Like what is Frost Haven's MSRP? <laughs> Two hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, like, and yeah, obviously that's that's a game you're gonna play with countless hours if you get your family into it or friends, whatever. Yeah. You're gonna get your money's worth if you really commit. I think the whole purpose of that is so that I can go to my wife and go, "See how smart I was for ordering this for 162 years ago." <laughs> I made ninety dollars, and she'll say, "Where is it?" Um, so I think that's just a good deal, and same with bayonets and tomahawks, like forty dollars just. There's not many games coming out for forty dollars these days. Yeah. Anything else on there you thought was interesting? Or? Yeah, you want to play the guessing game? Sure. Okay. So CDG solo picture, uh, but there is a new game with a Britannia theme, but they don't mention coin. Any thoughts there? Mm, I mean, there's so many Levy and Campaign games. It could be something new Levy and Campaign, but. I don't know that they would describe it that way. I don't know. Yeah, do you think they would say... Feels like if it was coin, they would say coin. And if it was a living campaign, they maybe say that. Yeah. 
I mean, we could dip over to. There's Hauptville, Montfort. So you're thinking of like individual battles. Widow. It could be in a game. Wooden Gamot. So no, I'm no, I'm cheating new. by looking at the levying campaign like oh, okay. games that are being worked on. <laughs> so you're right; it could be any of those. But I have no get. I have no. And then there's yeah. another coin game. Fine. And I think it who, is it still your turn in all bridges burning. Look, <laughs> I'm really embarrassed by this. I kept pinging Caleb. I was like, "Hey, Caleb, take your turn." And then by Wednesday, and then I've been busy the last two nights playing Atlantic Chase. Um, I then realized that the person playing the whites was <laughs> me. <laughs> so, yeah, not my best moment. All right, the last one I want to bring up is so Rick Young, game one in new Operation World War Two series from Rick Young. Now, what's Rick Young done? Uh, that name doesn't ring a bell. A couple different things. So, fast action battle. Okay. Okay. And Asian Gulf and Europe and Gulf. Okay. So, but this is a new series. So new series, operational scale. Okay. Yeah. And like fab is something that I really liked when I first got into war games and want to go back to. I just never have. Yeah. So I have no guess as to what it could be. I don't like follow, I don't follow the rumor mill close enough, but yeah. Uh, let's see. So coming up is your civil war second printing or the, yeah, that's actually, I think I got charged for, I just got the update kit, not the full game, but I think I got charged for that. I finally talked to myself into just getting an update kit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so did I. I was like what am I doing I because then I was like I'm gonna reclip this and like there is no di- so Almoravid is the big one like that's coming and yeah, you're not that, you're not getting Almoravid right? no that one I'm not getting I'm getting Plantagenets and now Henry uh and you're not getting Baltic approaches Red Storm yes I am getting that one oh okay I don't think I've been charged for that yet well that one's I thought that was the one it is but I'm getting it anyway. okay okay <laughs> yeah and then we have Chariot, speaking of Sekigahara, Charioteer is somewhere in the um, like queue for what's coming up next. And then the Stalingrad expansion are kind of the immediate things that we can look at uh, for what should be coming up. And I'm excited about all of this. Anything yeah. else jump out at you? From no, that was about it for me. Good. Well, it's- speaking of Red Storm, though, because I think the tease last month was something like... I don't, I don't remember what it was. And I, I think either the Henry or the might be, I think Henry is the one that en- ended up actually being the solution of the tease. It was some of a, an existing series or something like that. And I was, I was really hoping it would be a modern version of red storm. We're okay. It was, we don't have a new tactical air game from Lee Br- Brimcombe Wood yet. A new expansion for popular world war two series. Don't have that yet. New content oh, for you're com- looking at last month. I am new content for okay. Commands and Colors. Don't have that yet. And a dual pack, <clears throat> so none of February's were revealed. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm thinking of a different one. Though. Well, oh, let's. We have the power of the internet. Let's just go back to January. I won't go back further than this. January's teasers were a new war game set in the Thirty Years' War, and that one is the Quius Riggio. Uh, a smaller, faster playing game for Volko's Living Campaign Series. That's Henry. Okay. A new Rick Young game, which they've... Oh, those. Weasels. They've already teased the Rick Young 
<laughs> game, and then a political military game that came out of last year's Zenobia Awards. Hmm. Don't think we've had that announced yet. No. Okay. So anyway, right. that's how we are in the year so far. <clears throat> okay. Did you come up with a train segment name yet? Oh, shoot. I, I didn't do my homework. Again, it's a double-edged sword because... you got to go with... I mean, the classic would be choo-choo motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like everyone's doing it. <laughs> yeah. Why don't... Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess that's why it's a classic. We could go sure. with Hot Tots. History on the Table does trains on the tables and just do <laughs> Hot Tots. That's a t-shirt waiting to happen. I would love... Look, I told I offered a prize, a competition for a T-shirt design, and no one did it. And like, I know maybe I should value people's works more, but like, hey, a game's a pretty good trade, I think. Um, so we've got, so I'll talk about a couple new plays, and then yeah, um, which is good because I think the only one I've played is this one. I'll talk about later. Okay, so I mentioned a couple times now dads on a map guys are a few of those guys are local great guys i played a whole bunch of games with them recently one of them was 1841 and i just want to mention 1841 because it's an 18xx game with a lot of levers to pull but the levers aren't sabotaging other people like 1817 you can do all kinds of shenanigans but usually the cost of that is you're fucking with someone and causing them to have like you're tanking their companies and stuff and which you're always messing with people in 18xx games and trying to dump companies on them but the interesting thing here rich is your companies can Mm -hmm. start and buy other companies full companies not miners yeah okay like so is that is that so is buying a company how how does that compare to a, a game that's got mergers in it well they're different um, like if you have red company and you own 60% of red company, uh-huh. red company can start blue company and red company can own 50% of blue company and you can own 10% of blue company individually and blue company still pays its shareholders. So red company gets 50% of blues dividends and you would get 10%. But interesting. if you're the owner of red company, the parent company, when it gets money from blue company, you don't that money doesn't flow out to you it's stuck in parent company okay and so there's just all kinds of shit it's a really good like i could see after more plays it being like probably my favorite it's just one that like you have to get on golden spike games and wait two years to to get it printed so it's not on 18xx games or is it no for some reason it's not i don't okay and the other one is designed by someone from uh, Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the Old Prince 1871. And that is like, there's all kinds of things going on there. And I'm early in my plays, but I really like what I see so far. So like, there's a group company we can all own shares in, but like companies branch off of it. it well, I'm not doing a good job of explaining it. It's it's wonky. It's on 18xx.games. It's really out there. I'm super interested in seeing how it plays out. It's got a lot of moving parts. Um, and I think at some point that one may become available. And it's it would be worth it if you like wonky stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't been playing that much uh, 18xx lately. Um, but uh, one of you, it might have been you or someone's like, hey, let's play 1830. So that one I did jump in. I, I played 1830... 
not too long ago, in the last few months, actually on the table at someone's house. Um, so I knew a little bit about it and it was just kind of, you know, there's, there's, you know, a lot more about the whole series than I do, but it seemed like 1830 was just not in a bad way, but just kind of basic. Like there were no big, like, this is the thing you need to know about this game. It was just kind of a standard game, right? Uh, <clears throat> rules wise yes but i'm the more i play it the more i'm like starting to learn the nuances of it okay and i think that's just more of like the you know it was one of the first i okay. think it was the second i could be wrong maybe it was the first don't get mad at me uh, so i was expecting yeah. straightforward <laughs> and one of the guys in our game was just like doing so many to me odd things that i was I was literally asking the table, what the hell is going on in this game? Like he was buying and selling every single company. And I guess he, I guess did every single company float in like the first, maybe one or two stock rounds. It was stock round three and he floated his goal. Just so you know, is if you don't have a valid route, you don't have to buy a train. Okay. And so and in 1830, the map is kind of weird. And he picked the two isolated companies and owned the private and the other major company that kind of dictated when and if those companies had valid routes. Okay. But I think he kind of got greedy. And, and it, he, he had admitted like he was just pulling levers to see how it shook out. And it was very interesting. Yeah. But because he wanted to float so many and he did that, he left them vulnerable for takeover. Now, again, he was in the driver's seat to force them to have valid routes so they would have to buy a train because sometimes uh -huh. you can start a company and they don't have a valid ra route and then you just like raid them and use them to get the money and not worrying about keeping a, a good train in them. And that's what uh -huh. he's trying to do. But then when he sold off, I went in and took them over, both of them, and it just like crapped on the economy and then yeah. we like it was like the, as, as soon as the two trains rusted the game ended basically yeah it was eventually what ended up killing it totally is like the two tame the two trains popped and then we blasted through and then the four trains popped in so all those shenanigans took place in sr3 stock round three yeah and then we had one more set of full operating for four we had sr4 then we had sr5 and then in or5 we closed and in my experience this was the lowest winning score i've had other than a game that got called early with 935 dollars was the winning player yeah <laughs> it was shenanigans yeah it was crazy and i'm, I'm just sitting there as really and i mean i've been playing i'm not necessarily a newbie because I sort of understand the games, but I definitely don't understand the nuances of them. Oh, yeah. I think so I'm you... just kind of watching this happen and like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and I don't think I did entirely either. I mean, I yeah. understood the suitcasing, but um, it all, it did not work out for that individual. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I would say like you, the mechanics you have down, but that's like the joy of them. Like mechanically, they really it's you lay track and you pay dividends based right. off how much it runs based off ownership. It's okay. Well, how do I do these things in a way that's going to win me the game and not leave me bankrupt? Sure. Yeah. That was a fun, it was a very fun 1830 game. It was bonkers, but it was fun. Yeah. And we're playing another one now. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Hopefully less shooting in against. Yeah. Uh, nice. So, same group. I played. Have you ever heard of Hansa Teutonica? 
I've heard of it. I haven't played it. So this has been on my want to playlist for a while. It kind of like bounced between whoever had the rights. Then a big box came out and then shut up and sit down, did a great review of it. And then it was hard to find. And then like, then I did. So I've wanted to play this game for a while. It is a Euro ass Euro game, but it's got tons of player interaction. Basically you can kind of complete like you can in Atlantic chase. If you fill in, like these three or four count spots. Like they have three spots. And if you fill them up with yours, you can say, all right, I'm claiming this. And you get points or a benefit or a marker in that spot that gets you points. But this, the beauty of this game is interaction. So like let's say you have your – you're ready to claim, but you ran out of actions. I can come in there and like bump your pieces out. And then you got to move and then like come in and bump me out, but that gets you more pieces. And you can build up so like – you start out with only taking two actions in each round. By the end of the game, maybe you're taking, I'm taking five <laughs> actions each round, and you're only taking three actions each round, but you're also, like, getting way more guys coming in. Dry Euro with supposedly your, uh, you know, Teutonic Traders, something mm-hmm. like that, but it's it's good. It is really good. One play, we just were, like, all over each other bumping and interacting with each other really just want to play it more great game cool <laughs> i played fresh fish all right this sounds like like a, a ten dollar party game it's not <laughs> so are we have similar backgrounds where we both came from like euro games and stuff a, a little bit right mm-hmm. yeah so you're are you familiar with friedman and freeze no all their games start with an f Oh, okay. And they've made, well, I I shouldn't say all their games because I think they did like Power Grid and stuff, but maybe the German name for Power Grid was, and Friday and all kinds of games. And so I thought. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've played Friday. Sure. Sure. I thought Fresh Fish was a like meme game that like people were voting in this March Madness poll about how good it was. Mm -hmm. It's, it's almost like every majority and you have to build a path from your hut to the person selling popsicles and it really is just like popsicles and lemonade but it's okay right but the game is this like you look at this map and you have to look at like the negative space and maneuver your pieces and as everything has to be connected by a valid route and so the board state changes by like looking and be like, oh, we have to remove Rich's piece because if Rich puts a building there, that's the last place on the board that the route can connect to this quadrant on the board. It's uh, like it's hard to see without doing it, but holy smokes, like this game, like seeing how you can block people and like, oh, if I get a building down here, that means the route has to go through Rich's like point that like if he got a building there would be money like that would that would like win him the game but by blocking over here i can look at the negative space and see that or the road now has to go through rich's living room is is kind of like how it works it was so good it was really good and Mm. like you can't find it now and there's also like some weird shit between like the first edition rules and the second edition rules and like how do you actually play the game um but if you play it what I think is the right way, which is like the advanced rules, really brain burning, even though it's just like popsicles and shit. I really liked Fresh Fish as well. Yeah. 
I'm looking at the picture on uh, Board Game Geek. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, don't be deterred by it. But, like, if you ever <laughs> see a copy, like, no joke. Like, sight unseen, even on the description, if you're, like, at Miniature Market, and the, I doubt this would happen, and then you see a fresh fish in the ding and dent, yeah. get it. This would be like the one where, you know, you'll see on Facebook, someone went to Goodwill and found this for, like, two bucks or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it'll ever get reprinted, again, with, like, the rules. And what's funny is I think if you look at the second edition rules is they say like the advanced way is the more pretentious way or something like that is how they describe it. Um, but it's, it's the way to play. Cool. Yeah. What about you? Other, other games? So my daughter just a couple hours ago came back home. She's on spring break for the next, you know, week or or so plus a couple weekends. So uh, I think we're going to be playing a lot of pandemic legacy season zero this week. I think nice. Yeah. We, we started playing it over Christmas break and we played, uh, I think two months, maybe three. I don't remember exactly where we left off, but I think she wants to burn through as much of it as she, as she can this next week. So probably won't finish it unless we get really lucky and play really well. But um, I think we'll we'll play a lot of that this week, and I like season one and season two. I like season one better than two. Uh, so far, season zero is 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 pretty different, which I like. Um, but then two is very different from one. Also, all three of them have done a good job of being different games. Um, so I'll let you know how it went, but without spoilers. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, I haven't done other than a bit of Gloomhaven, like no. I take that back. I played through like five rounds of Charterstone and then realized Charterstone was not for me. Okay. Uh, I bought I... that for her for Christmas. Man, it had to be like three, four years ago. Uh-huh. And it's still in the shrink wrap in her closet. So <laughs> Charterstone, I mean. Yeah. I mean, you guys may end up liking it. But like yeah. after four plays, I was like, there's just too many interruptions in the gameplay to like get this legacy mechanic yeah implemented and like introduce new rule after new rule and it's just like the game never flowed mm-hmm. um but i've always wanted to do the pandemic legacy games never have have you played risk legacy i have not okay nope yeah i've wanted to do that just for fun but i don't like i would like want someone to like partake in changing the board and stuff and i don't think i'd have anyone local mm-hmm and then the other one, I haven't played this yet, but I picked it up. Have you ever heard of the RPG Alice is Missing? I have. Yeah. It was a Kickstarter, I want to say a year or two ago. I can't remember exactly when. And I thought about Kickstarting it. For whatever reason, I didn't. Um, but it was at Miniature Market a few weeks ago and saw it there for like 17 bucks. So I was like, oh, yeah, I was going to get this. I'm going to get it now. It's an RPG that you play. Um, it's. I talked about 10 Candles a few months ago. Yeah. I want to say there's a little bit of a similarity there because it's not, it's a one shot. We'll we'll leave it at that. Um, But the interesting thing about this one is the players all sit around the table together at the same place, but no one is allowed to talk to each other. The entire game takes place over text. So you all sit there with your phones in your hand, texting each other. And you have not played yet, right? I have not played. We're going to play a week from tonight. Okay. I want to really, I'm looking forward to it. I want to hear about it next month because this yeah. is a game that I have almost <laughs> bought like several times. Yeah. So if uh, if it goes well, you know, I might, um, I, I can't go to Donkey Kong, but I'll hopefully be able to stop by and at least say hi. I might just, you know, 
bring it to you. I don't know. I, it's hard to know if it's even how, how replayable it is. Sure. I mean, I think it will be, but it's, it's hard to know. I'm really looking forward to trying this. So definitely looking forward to your thoughts. You know, I never got, I almost had my brother and his wife sold on tin candles and then it, oh, yeah? it didn't happen. Oh, not for so lack of interest like i think it'll happen at some point it's just like scheduling yeah. and stuff so i'm actually going to be playing this game with the same group that i played 10 candles with that's cool and they've been asking me to play that one again sometime but i'm like yeah we're gonna play but i really want to try this one out so should we talk and it, it's short it's like perfect for one session there's even a timer like you literally bring up a laptop or something and there's a after you do your your character creation and stuff like that the game lasts 90 minutes it's on a timer and then you're done huh so perfect for a one shot. That's any other games? Uh, no, that's it. Like I said, I've got this big stack of games here. I think I think Pacific War is going to be this month, but the last month really didn't play too much except for Vietnam, which I'm definitely enjoying. Should we wrap up with a little hockey talk? <sighs> well, the blues are frustrating. But they're also still... I know. They're like third in the conference. I was and say, everybody's right. annoyed. Because here's the thing. they The last... I want to say... Didn't you lose to the Flyers? Three, three, four weeks. It's not just the Flyers, though. The last three, four weeks, we've been playing like the crappiest teams yeah. in the league. And they were like, they're beating the crap out of us. But then we go play a good team and we're good again. So the Blues fans are like, well, we don't have to play the crappy teams in the playoffs. So don't worry about it. I'm like, yeah, but we'd be, we'd be equal to Colorado if we had done what we were supposed to do. (laughs) Yeah. So right now we're, you know, I mean, I think they're going to make the playoffs. It's looking like, I think it's going to be the Blues in the wild in the first round. <clears throat> which I, I feel fine against the Wild. I don't think the Blues are going to beat Colorado. So No, I mean, Colorado is the team to beat this year. It was yeah. Carolina, but, man, I tell you what, they're going back to, like, just from when we started being fans and really the first year of the, the Brindamore era, yeah. there was just, like, you'd take 45 shots a night and not score. <laughs> and it and it keeps happening, and so like they've like the last month has just been like really brutal to watch the game. Like they're still a, f- a fantastic team, and they they got Max Domi, which like hopefully should help out with scoring. But it's like we've seen this, and I'm like I don't want to be sour. I'm like I love the Canes. Um, I will be sour on the Jets because it's been a frustrating year. I think so. The Jets are like 95 percent chance to miss the playoffs or something like that. And it sucks because, like, our top talent is so good. And then when mm-hmm. Paul Maurice left, I get why he left. But it's kind of like K-State men's basketball coach is Bruce Weber. And I like Paul Maurice more, but they're both, like, great human beings, I think. Like, Paul Maurice, in my opinion, is, like, one of the best people in hockey. I didn't want him to leave, but, it, like, it needed to happen. And it's just mm-hmm. been, like, we have – you got Mark Shifley. You got Blake Wheeler. Uh, Nick Ehlers, Kyle Connor, Connor Hellebuck. Like, when he's hot, the best goalie in the NHL. And it's just, like, those pieces you would think should be enough, and it's just, like, it hasn't been. So both teams have been – the Canes, I think, will get hot when they need to is what I'm telling myself. The Jets, I I think, are going to miss the playoffs. Mm. Blues are interesting because they're 
one of the highest scoring teams in the league, but they don't have any of the highest scores in the league. I mean, their scoring is very balanced, which That's is good. good. Um, but I'm used to the blues, like building from the defense out and our defense is terrible now. And Bennington is, is a mess. So, I mean, Huso really is our number one goalie at this point. They keep putting Bennington back in to try to fix whatever is wrong with him, but he lost to Philadelphia last night, so gave up five goals. Yeah, you know, you say you 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 feel good about the Wild, but um, I mean, Kem Talbot and Mark Andre Fleury now in the Wild could yeah be good. I mean, they could be good. It depends. Sure. On... Yeah, I think the Blues and the Wild are probably both pretty inconsistent. You know, so it's who's who's going to show up for that playoff round? Right. Hey, here's a cool thing about hockey, though. Uh, we're going to have Division One hockey in St. Louis. Really? Yeah, Lindenwood University, which is in St. Charles, right outside St. Louis. Uh-huh. They just went to uh, Division One, and they've got a hockey team. So we're going to get to watch D1 hockey. I would love to. You know what? Once things are fully back to normal and yeah. the kiddo are like is in a good routine, I legitimately, like, if they're playing someone cool, like mm-hmm. – University of Maine, Minnesota Duluth, or like one of, or like Notre Dame. I mean, I don't know who they'll draw, but like if it's yeah. a non-con game or something like that, I I would gladly come up for a D one game if it ever works out. Yeah, we should do that. I we absolutely should. Yeah, I don't know if it's next. I think it might even be next year. I can't remember when they actually start playing D one hockey. I think it's next year because they've already got a team. They're uh-huh. just a D one team now. Good for them. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, D1 hockey is something like, well, college hockey has been something I've wanted to because we have um, we have a minor league team here, mm-hmm. but it's still just like, and they're very fun. <laughs> it's hard to like, for it to matter though. Like, yeah. again, very cheap to go to, lot, lots of fun, but like, I don't really care if they win or lose. Yeah. When I went to college in Nashville before the Predators were a, such a thing, uh, there was a minor league top hockey team in Nashville that we used to go watch play sometimes. And yeah, it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's like watching beer league hockey, but they are better. But, you know, sometimes the games will be like 16 to 10. <laughs> Speaking of beer league hockey, did you watch that documentary on Netflix? No. About the, uh, the trashers or what the trashmen? No. What was it? You know, I heard something about that, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, the Trashers. It was, uh, and they it was during the lockout, and they ended up like bringing in an NHL player, and then like, but they were still to like prevent that from happening. They were prohibited from paying like, like one team like paying some NHL guy, you know, way yeah. over to like come smoke everyone. And so like they were playing guys cash or paying guys from the trash business so they have like mob type you should really watch it it's pretty entertaining it's not very long yeah there used to be a uh an elite men's league here in st louis maybe they're still there um but they used to play on monday nights and they'd get some some like recently retired nhl players and stuff like that and i never played i was never good enough to play with them but i used to referee them and uh i remember one night some beer league guy tried to take on kelly chase in a fight and it was quite entertaining. <laughs> so what is elite? Just like, I mean, old like guys playing hockey or no, I mean, these guys were like, 
you know, there were guys that like played college hockey and like I said, a few ex pros and stuff like that. I mean, it was, it was good quality hockey, but all these guys were like 25 to 40 years old. So, um, you know, they weren't necessarily in their prime, but it was, it was the best men's hockey in town anyway. See, that's the, that's the thing with like ECHL is you're not going to get, unless it's some like young guy that had to get called up for a a year or something like that. I don't, you're not going to get many veterans coming down. (laughs) Right. And so then it's like the coolest thing that happened is, um, remember when Vegas started, like all their goalies got hurt when they first started. Yeah. Like our goalie from our goalie, I'm not that big a fan from the Mavericks here in town ended up making it to Vegas while Mm -hmm. they waited for everyone to get better or something like that. And, like, they're also an affiliate of Calgary. Okay. And I don't care about Calgary. Yeah. Um, I follow the Kachucks just because I was a fan of their dad when he was here. Oh, yeah. That's probably an unpopular opinion. And the Kachucks are not well-liked. No, (laughs) no. I mean, I like them on my fantasy team. Yeah. um, (laughs) But that's that's where I draw the line. (laughs) Yeah, I should actually. I'm wondering if, like, I th- I still think it's Calgary. Um, like, if it was if if it was like Canes or Jets, and it was like a team I followed, and there's like, oh, I may see this guy, but even then, most of them at the ECHL aren't. Even they probably don't even have NHL rights. Right. Like, so right. few of the players will be. So it's hard to care about. But all right, well, that's that's hockey talk. It's been a while since we've done that, but playoffs are coming. Yeah, I don't even know when they start. Uh, May? It's March early. 25th, so probably about a month or so. Usually end of April, beginning of May. Yeah. And then our, our Fantasy Hockey League will be coming to an end. So playoffs begin on my, May 2nd. Tw- May came to an end a while ago. Yeah, but it's funny though. I'm I'm actually playing. My guys are playing well now. I keep winning games, and I'm so far behind, it doesn't matter, but I'm putting up a little fight at the end. Hey, uh, I'm no longer in last place. Speaking of last place, and I don't know where I'm going with this, other than here's breaking news: St. Peter's beat Purdue. That's the so, that's the fifteen t- fifteen. So are seed they in the, the final big, four now, or they'll be in the they elite eight? It? They'll be in the elite, elite eight. eight. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's wacky. That should be the next war game game. Game is can you even tell me where St. Peter's is? Because I can't. No. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so St. Peter's will take on uh, the winner of North Carolina and UCLA, okay, and probably lose I don't to North Carolina. Follow college basketball too closely unless Mizzou is good, and they have not been good in a very long time. So, <laughs> but they just fired their coach again. So we'll we'll try again. And I did notice uh, Gonzaga lost last yeah, night. Yeah, Arkansas. Just yeah, bonkers. Um, what's interesting about the Missouri? Um, I can't think of his name right now. He left the team in the transfer portal and went to LSU. And then LSU's coach has got fired. And then he made an Instagram post over the weekend. And then like he listed all the teams he's considering retransferring to. And Missouri's yeah. back on the list. <laughs> oh, because of the new coach. I, I guess. I don't know. Have they hired anyone new? Do you know? Yeah, they hired a guy. He's, he's not really a big name. He was from Cleveland State. Which... I know Missouri's an SEC school and a lot of people are and Missouri's got 
a bit of a inferiority complex. We're like, oh, we're in the SEC. We should be hiring big name people. I'm like, yeah, but you suck. And no big name people want to come here. So <laughs> yeah, you got to build the program before you can. Like the potential is, is there, right? I mean, you can. Yeah. I mean, it's an SEC school. So automatically there's potential just because there's so much money there. Right. Like you, a big, someone like on the fringe wants to go from. Um, Cleveland State. <laughs> right. To the SEC. I get it. Yeah. But like, I don't know. They've really missed both in, in football and basketball. I'm, I don't like Missouri. Like I just grew up like you couldn't be a Missouri fan in the <laughs> Peterson households, and but I will say like I was really cheering for Quanzo Martin, and it's a shame it didn't work out. And, yeah. and as far as men's basketball coaches go at Missouri, like that's one that I wanted yeah. to succeed. I mean, that's one of those what if moments. If Michael Porter had not gotten hurt, yeah, that would have completely it could have turned the program around. And, but you know he played half a game and <laughs> was out, so. I think part of the problem, too, with Mizzou is because they are, at least now, I mean, it, it hasn't been that long that Missouri was, you know, I mean, the football school was top 10 every year. Basketball was really good. It hasn't been that long, but now they're just such a bottom feeder that even if we do get a coach that turns a program around, I mean, the fear is that they're they're just using Mizzou as a stepping stone right. to go somewhere else, and then we're right back to where we started. I had heard a rumor, obviously this did not pan out, that Frank Hayes was going to come back, and he was the one that got booted oh for... Oh, gosh. Oh, maybe. He was the guy that we hired, and like the day after we hired, the NCAA announced sanctions against him. <laughs> well, he was there for a few years, and then in his last year, yeah. Well, no, think... because the stuff he did that got him in trouble was at Miami, not Oh, at yeah. So, yeah. But he was like running away from his problems when we hired him. <laughs> yes. But then I think later on, Missouri itself found violations and probably self-reported or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Missouri's basketball games have like 1,800 people at them, though. And you just can't do that at a Division I SEC school. No one one cares about that team. Man, it's just I grew up, and like obviously like you did too as well, Mm -hmm. um... Like KU, K State, and right. it, it it just like so much of that magic is gone, and now yeah. like Missouri will make a little bit of noise again. What was it, the Porter? That was his name. Like yeah, the like uh, they were Michael supposed Porter, to be yeah, yeah, they're supposed to be good, and then they don't, and so yeah, yeah. I mean that that Mizzou KU basketball game every year was amazing. And usually, like, KU's the number one school in the country, and Mizzou's like 10 or 15, but, you know, Mizzou would always be there for that game. Yeah, yep. Oh, and the Rush brothers were there, too? Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah, and, I mean, it it hadn't been that long, 15 years ago, that KU was number one in football, and Mizzou was number two, and Mizzou beat them. Yeah, yeah, but then our... Well, I'm not a KU fan. I can't (laughs) say our, 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 our coach, but then... Um, what's his name was locking players and supply sheds. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's a reason the programs have gone downhill. Yeah. yeah. But KU beat Oklahoma this year, so you got that going for you. That's something. <laughs> well, again, not me. Don't tie me to the Jayhawks. I'm not a KU fan. <laughs> Lawrence has that going for him. <laughs> All right, I folk. told my kids they okay. could go to any school in the country except for KU. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. 
All right, that's gonna do it. If you want to, uh, if you want to come hang out with us on Discord, you can find a link to that server in the show notes. Come by, introduce yourself, vote. We vote on that reward game Everless. Next year we're doing a bracket. It's taking forever to get through this damn thing. Uh, I enjoy it, but we're gonna just do votes, several votes a day instead of <laughs> ranking the whole list again. Um, yeah, join the Discord server. We have a website. You can go check out our top five nonfiction books or the Every War Game Ever list. We have a YouTube server. You can see our in-depth unboxing videos. Uh, we have a patron, patron.com slash history table. You can vote on the Every War Game Ever list. You can shoot us an email, historytablepodcast, gmail.com. Rich, where can they find you? Uh, best place to find me is on Twitter, Trapeer Jr. You'll... No, it's me because you're going to see lots of pictures of Vietnam 1965, not 1975. Yeah. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at History Table Pod. We have a Facebook page. I never use it. Don't go there. But you can if you want. Uh, that's going to do it. Good, All right. Good, good night, everyone. Good night. I was, I was waiting for your good night, everyone. <laughs> I was going to say, if there's anything else, not that much. Good night, everyone. Good night. <laughs>